Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. And this is our interview with the sound editors for A Quiet Place, Ethan Van Der Rijn and Eric Adol. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Next Best Picture podcast. Today, we are interviewing two of the sound editors for the new film directed by John Krasinski and also co-written and starring him called A Quiet Place. The film is very, very heavily influenced by sound. It works itself into the themes of the film itself. So we're very, very excited to have the two uh, sound members on our show today. We have Oscar nominee for Argo and Transformers Dark of the Moon, Eric Adol. And we also have Ethan Van Der Rijn, who also was nominated alongside Eric for Argo and Transformers Dark of the Moon, and also has won two Oscars for King Kong and The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Gentlemen, quite the resume. How are both of you doing today? Very well, thanks. thanks. Great to be chatting with you. Well, first of all, welcome to the show. And we're very, very excited to have you guys here. I mean, I, I tell you, I haven't been this excited about a sound interview since uh, we did the interview for Baby Driver last year. And mostly that is because of the focus of sound within the film A Quiet Place. So this is really, really exciting for uh, for myself. But just to break the ice a little bit here, I'd like for our listeners to get a chance to know both of you uh, first and foremost before we get started uh, and we talk about A Quiet Place. So... Would you guys mind telling me both how you got involved within the industry and specifically uh, working in sound? Uh, yeah, this is Eric. I'll, I'll start. Um, well, I'd been in some way working with sound since I was a kid. I just started playing piano when I was five years old. I started making my own movies, and then I'd mix my own movies um, through high school and uh, wound up going to film school at USC and quickly falling in love with sound there through their sound departments. And one of my professors happened to be the inventor of THX. So that Tomlin. Oh, wow. So that was really inspiring. And, uh, and after finishing film school, I got a job as a sound assistant on the TV show NYPD Blue. And then about a year after that, started sound effects editing. And one thing to the, led to the next, and I started doing features. And then uh, Ethan and I started working together back in 2006 on the first Transformers film. And we've been partners ever since. And I got to say, that's a hell of a project to uh, work on for the first time together. But you guys, like you said, have been partnering up ever since. That is quite awesome to hear. Uh, Ethan, what about yourself? So I went to film school up in the Bay Area, and and it's interesting because I think uh, in my own films that I was doing, the sound was probably the least accomplished, least developed part part of them. I I definitely uh, wasn't wasn't very good, 
Um, but there happens to be a little bit of a film sound community in the Bay Area that grew up around um, Francis Coppola and, and George Lucas. And I was lucky enough to be able to get an apprenticeship um, at Skywalker Sound, which is uh, George Lucas's sound facility. And I happened, I was just in the right place at the right time and was able to learn from some of the best people in the business. I started um, working a lot with uh, Gary Reitstrom, who's a very influential sound designer um, who works out of Skywalker. And um, one of the first big movies I worked on um, that he was the sound designer on was Terminator 2. And I spent about 10 months um, doing a lot of field, sound effects, field recording, and riding on motorcycles and riding in cars and just having all kinds of really fun experiences and then taking these sounds that I would record back into the studio and first breaking them all down and cataloging them. And then I started to get to start working with some of the sounds to picture. And I just found that process to be so magical really that's the best way to describe it you know the first time you you're you put sounds to to picture is it creates you know something much larger than the sum of its parts and there's obviously you know i realized there's so many different ways to that it can all come together and there's never a clear way it's always like an exploration that you need to to sort of find your way through, and I found that experience really captivating. So I was uh, at Skywalker for about 14 years, getting to work on a lot of great movies, um, Titanic, Saving Private Ryan, being a couple of them after Terminator. Then I got the opportunity to go to New Zealand and work with Peter Jackson on the Lord of the Rings movies and King Kong. I was there for about four and a half years. And then I came back to the States and got um, offered the first Transformers movie, and that's where I was fortunate enough to to hook up with Eric, and um, yeah, and we've been working together ever since. We started our own company, E-Squared, E-SquaredSound.com, and um, yeah, we've been able to do a lot of great projects together. We're always pushing each other to, <laughs> to, to find new ways to, to, to push the boundaries of sound and image and how they come together well if i do say so myself um from from just a fan in general of a lot of the films that you guys have worked on i mean lord of the rings i'm gonna gush for a moment is my favorite film of all time bravo to both of you honestly because i i'll never forget like you know for example watching uh argo in the movie theater and you know that opening crowd sequence and just saying to myself oh my god the sound work in this is just absolutely phenomenal sure enough you guys land back at the party, get yourselves another Oscar nomination. Uh, and some of the f- films that you just mentioned there, uh, there a second ago there, uh, Ethan, I mean, th- that's just a hell of a resume. So bravo to you for shaping uh, what, you know, a lot of people always talk about film in pictures and images, but bravo to both of you for shaping, uh, auditorily speaking, what we've been hearing over the last couple of years, I mean, because some of those films are some of the best of all time, you know? Yeah, yeah well, you. you know, we, we feel strongly that uh, sound is 50% of the experience and sometimes more than 50% of the experience. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, uh, 
we sometimes forget people talk about, oh, I went and saw a movie. I went and watched a movie. And we like to think in terms of, well, you're using two senses, actually. You're not just seeing, you're also hearing. Yeah. And A Quiet Place is kind of just the perfect demonstration of that for, for us. Um, oh, yeah. Incredibly challenging, but just all, all about sound, like in its DNA, it's, it's about sound. So hopefully it gave a chance for audiences to open up their ears and, and uh, listen um, in a unique way. Right. So in talking about A Quiet Place, I mean, when you know, you mentioned before there, Ethan, that you were uh, offered uh, the ability to come on to like the Transformers films. Is, is this the kind of film where both of you were offered the opportunity to work on to it? Or did you guys happen to hear, oh my lord, a horror movie that's heavily fixated around sound? I have to be a part of this. How, how did you guys come on board to the project? Well, we were, we were fortunate enough that we, um, to have worked with the producers um, of A Quiet Place on a few other projects, and they they approached us last year and said, hey, we've got this really cool um, lower-budget um, film, but it's all about sound. Uh, there's almost no dialogue in the movie. There's very little music in the movie. Um, we want you guys to do it. And we said, hell yes. <laughs> this is like the project we've been waiting for. They sent us a script, and we were just completely blown away by it and just knew that this is something we really wanted to be involved with. And now a film such as this presents itself uh, some very unique challenges. Like you said, lack of dialogue, very minimalist score, um, with an intense focus on sound being present throughout the entire film and working its way into um, the, the essence of the screenplay. What challenges or let's even put a nice positive spin on it opportunities did you guys uh see with specifically a quiet place well i think the uh the first and maybe most obvious opportunity was um it's right there in the title of the film quiet you know um a lot of people might assume that uh a quiet film is easy compared to a film that's full of sound and and is bombastic and is wall-to-wall but um the opposite is quite true, that um, when you get really quiet, um, you're kind of naked in a way. So in a sense, every little sound becomes a big sound. And, um, <laughs> and it's uh, every de delicate little intimate detail is exposed. So um, on a broad sense, that was um, the biggest opportunity for us to really kind of reset the hearing threshold levels for a movie in kind of a different way. I think, you know, quiet and especially silence, because it's not used that often in film, um, is kind of novel and, and unsettling in a film like this. Um, and uh, the quieter we could get, the more unsettling it could get. So um, that, that was kind of a thrilling, uh, thrilling opportunity. And uh, Ethan, hand it off to you on some of the first challenges we, we were thrown uh, when we finally sat down and started working with the film. Well, I mean, obviously there's some key, key story um, points that really had to be told through the sound design. Um, and one of the first ones we tackled was sort of the key point that um, Regan, the, the, the deaf daughter, who, who in real life 
um, the actress is actually deaf, and um, I think that was that was crucial to sort of the authenticity of that character. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the key story point being that she has a cochlear implant, and um, I don't know how much uh, we want to go with spoilers here, but uh, I think this is not too much of a spoiler. There's um, there's an interaction that happens between her her cochlear implant, her hearing aid, and the creature, um, and it 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 affects the creatures in a in a very uh, in a negative way. It puts them into pain, and and of course it also puts her. It causes feedback to her, which is which is painful, and so that's one of the first scenes that we that we tackled was the scene in the in the cornfield early in the movie, where um, Regan's in the middle of the cornfield and the and the creature, which is blind, emerges you know out of the corn stalks behind her, so she can't see it, but she starts hearing this intense feedback from her hearing aid. Um, and so she knows something, something's going on, something's changed, and then the creature starts to experience this intense pain um, from the interaction with the, with the hearing aid. And so setting up that whole dynamic and, and telling that story was a key sort of puzzle piece that we tackled early, and that, that that led us into this whole idea of creating sonic envelopes for the characters. Um, so we, we were able to, we started exploring the idea of a sonic, a sonic point of view, which, which John came to call uh, uh, her envelope for Regan, the, daughter, the deaf daughter. And um, we were able to, to set that up. And, of course, that's a way to really start stripping out sound and get it to a place where it's really almost her just hearing the sound, the sounds of uh, her her body, you know, the sounds of her blood moving through her body. And um, this is this is sort of based on um, descriptions that her and her mom gave to John while they were shooting the movie that John passed on to us. Oh wow! And we we for ourselves we. We based it on experiences that we've had in anechoic chambers where there's no external sound at all to the point where your ears really open up um, so that all you're hearing after a certain amount of time is your own, your own body. Um, so we, we kind of based uh, her sonic point of view or sonic envelope on that, that idea And then we realized, well, we want to be able to go into the sonic point of view of the creature. And when we started working on that, this scene that I'm describing, there was no actual creature there yet. So we just started playing with the sound design um, with a blank plate. And we got it to a point where it felt like, you know, something interesting is happening. This This is setting up an interesting juxtaposition. Uh, especially in the sense that within the shot we can see we can see Regan and we can see the creature behind her, but the creature is blind, so the creature can't see her even though it's you know maybe ten feet from her. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it's it's experiencing pain from this feedback interaction with the hearing aid, and she's experiencing pain but can't 
see the creature because it's behind her. But we as the audience can see what's going on, and we can hear both points of view sonically. So it, cre- it was starting to create this really interesting juxtapos- juxtaposition of, of sound and image. And then as the images of the creature started to come in from ILM, we were able to sort of refine that concept. But that was a, that was a key sort of sound design story challenge to solve early that, that led into unlocking a lot of other ideas in the film. Yeah, it's actually something that gives the film a very unique element and also aids within the horror aspects while watching it as well. Because as both of you uh, quite know very well, silence can be extremely unnerving. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's a very key storytelling tool. Um, I want to stick with the creature uh, for a moment here. And um, I was wondering if you guys could tell me a little bit about the process for the creature sound effects and if you drew from any inspiration uh maybe some favorite creatures of the past uh from other uh you know cinematic films before that might have influenced you well um you know we didn't consciously try to emulate any creatures that we've seen or heard before in film i think our starting point really was um trying to come up with different both vocal modes for the creatures and their physicality. Those were kind of our starting points. And and John described kind of three main modes of the creatures. Um, The first mode being a searching mode. Mm -hmm. So because these creatures are blind, um, they, they use sound to orient themselves in the world. And, and uh, so we started playing with the idea of echolocation um, where they would use kind of like these clicky sounds to kind of paint a sonic picture of their geography so they can navigate through the world without bumping into everything, essentially, <laughs> since they're blind. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so we started kind of basing ideas off of other cre- living creatures that have um, that echolocation ability, like um, dolphins and, and bats and... Um, and uh, so that's kind of the searching mode. And uh, the next mode that John described is kind of their idling mode. So we started playing with their breathing sounds, these you know, deep, wet, guttural, raspy breaths. And, uh, and then the final mode is um, their agitated mode, where their, their vocal intensity kind of escalates into, into agitation and then attack. And so those are the, the bigger, more powerful, um, intense kind of uh, shrieks and roars that the creatures do. Um, and uh, one, one thing that we did decide, though, was um, to not, not really give the ingredients to what we used for the vocals. Um, this is something that, uh, that kind of came up when we were working on um, Gareth Edwards' film Godzilla, and people were asking us, how oh, did you make Godzilla's roar? And we kind of realized that there's a certain amount of power to maintaining the mystery of what it is. Um, there's a kind of magic that can happen between sound and picture when you don't know what the ingredients are. And we didn't want to tell audience exactly how we made it because 
they'd be thinking about that the whole time when when watching the film. Um, and uh, that said, is even with our director, with Gareth Edwards, we didn't tell him how we did it until we were done with the movie because we didn't want him thinking about um, whatever strange props and techniques we used. So, um, and I think that really much, very much applies to um, to A Quiet Place as well. Um, I think one day we might uh, we might uh, reveal the uh, the ingredients, but uh, I think for now we're gonna stay uh, mum <laughs> on it. Well, I, I I'm gonna ask anyway, okay. just just if you if, if possible, because now you have my interest peaked so high. One Easter egg. Are you able to give me at least one? in the movie at all anything you guys might have thrown in there at all you know what i mean well how about um we can tell you something that we tried but then wound up not using fair i like that that that's actually very <laughs> fascinating to me <laughs> right. so so as you know you know the process of designing sound it's a very explorative and experimental sound so a lot of the things that we tried and played with um wound up not making it into the movie um in fact 90 some percent of the things we tried, you know, we didn't, didn't wind up in the final product. But um, one thing that we did try was a sound that um, one of our lead sound designers, uh, Brandon Jones, recorded at his house. And in his kitchen, he had this wood drawer that was making this terrible friction squeal sound whenever the drawer was opened. And uh, and before before he WD forty it, um, <laughs> he made sure to record it. And uh, for a couple of days, we were playing with that kind of shrieky sound um, for the creature. And before deciding, uh, I think we can do better, and moving on to some other ideas. But um, for for a couple ideas, uh, that was something. For a couple of days, that was something we tried. All right. All right, I got my got my juicy hot take of the day. I love it. Excellent. <laughs> Marco Beltrami, composer who we interviewed last year for Logan. Big fan of his work over here. Uh, the score in this film, uh, for me personally, uh, is my favorite of the year so far. Uh, can you guys tell me um, what the collaboration was like with him on this film uh, in terms of music cues and how they would um, work together with the sound? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Marco was an incredibly gracious collaborator because what we, what we quickly realized once we started working on the sound design was that it was going to be important to strip away sound and it was going to be important to strip away music. Uh, Because the first cut, which we started working on was um, obviously a very rough cut of the movie before Marco had really started working on it, before any of his work was was in it. But um, there was a lot of temp score that had been put in by the by the picture department, um, which you know uh, I suppose because there really wasn't any sound by that point. Um, you know they they were putting it in just so there'd be something. But when Eric and I sat down and started working, we realized, okay, we need to we need to start stripping away and getting down to real quiet. Like, how quiet can we get? Mm-hmm. So we started taking out a lot of sound and a lot of music, and then we realized, well, some of the a lot of these moments are only going to be effective and powerful if we don't play music. 
Um, so it became very important to preserve some of these moments and make sure, you know, that um, that we weren't going to have any other sound, including music playing. And Marco was incredibly, you know, good about working with us on that on that whole idea. Yeah, Mar- Marco, um, you know, I think one of the reasons he is such an incredible music composer is that he's a storyteller and he he sees the big picture, and um, and because of that, it made it so easy and so fun for us to collaborate with him and pick the trade-offs and how do we intertwine and do this kind of dance with sound design and with music. Um, he, uh, you know, he's telling through the score, he's telling sort of the emotional story um, of the film in a way. Um, so, uh, and, and, you know, on the sound design end, we're telling this kind of visceral reality story. Um, so the two things have to work together beautifully, like a puzzle piece. Um, so uh, Marco is just uh, just a master at, uh, at understanding that everybody has to work together and, and everything affects everything else. Um, so, uh, you know... It, it could have been a totally different experience with a composer who's very precious about every note that they've composed, you know, um, yeah. we would have had a, we would have had a really different movie if it weren't for that. Well, the movie is called a quiet place. It is playing in theaters. Currently, if you have not seen it, I highly urge everyone to go to the theater and see it. It is quite an unforgettable experience and large portion of that is because of how it sounds. Gentlemen, Ethan, Eric, are you guys allowed to tell me about any upcoming projects that you guys will be working on soon? Yeah, yeah, fun. Yeah, we have a few things going on, and one of one of the fun ones is um, very end of the year. Uh, Bumblebee is coming out, so ah, yes, that's right. Yeah, before that, yeah. actually, in August, we have a really fun, sweet kind of magical movie, uh, Christopher Robin, that uh, Mark Forrester, who we've worked on a couple movies with, is directing. Uh, and that'll be coming out in August. And it's uh, I, um, I recommend that people go and see that movie because I think it's going to be real special. Uh, I grew up on Winnie the Pooh over here. I, I, whether it's special or not, it'll be special to me, and I'm sure millions of others will definitely feel that way, for sure. Um, thank you, gentlemen, so, so much um, for joining me here to talk about your work on A Quiet Place. Like I was saying before, it is currently playing in theaters right now. We look forward to hearing more of your work and how you guys help to shape the soundscape of what our ears hear at the cinema. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. My name is Matt Neglia, and you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and CastBox. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It was a pleasure. All right. Take care now. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Ethan Van Der Ryan and Eric Atoll on their work for the new film from John Krasinski called A Quiet Place. That film is currently playing in theaters. You can check it out right now. Be sure, if you like this interview, to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really, really appreciate your feedback. Be sure to listen to all of our main weekly shows, all of our reviews here on the Next Best Picture podcast. 
available right now on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and on CastBox. You can find me on all of the social media outlets at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you all next time. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.